Are there lasting side effects from having a brain tumor removed? In today's episode, a two-time survivor of brain tumors tells her story. Stay tuned. Welcome to Stories of Hope. I'm Christine Hotchkiss. Each week I bring you stories that inspire, educate, and give you hope. I want to thank my sponsor and podcast producer, The Motivated Mind Group. Removing a cancerous tumor is usually suggested by doctors in order to win the battle over the disease. Depending on where it is in the body, though, there can be risks with the surgery, not to mention post-surgery side effects and life changes. Cancer in the brain, of course, being one of the most dangerous. My guest today is Jen Ortiz, a survivor of two brain tumor surgeries whose life was completely changed by her experience. Hey, Jen, welcome to Stories of Hope. Thank you for having me. Yes, and... uh, you know, it's good to know people and get to know more about other people. Everyone's like, stay in your lane. I'm like, no, I want to learn more people to learn more about what's going on and I'll right. bring them in my lane. And you were brought up in a previous interview That's for awesome. a few reasons. So I'm glad that you accepted. So thank of you. Of course. I love being a part of the community. I'm from Arizona. So being able to kind of speak to the community in this way is really important to me. And you're speaking to my heart right there. <laughs> so thank you. Sure. Now, I understand that you are a two-time survivor of brain cancer, or excuse me, brain tumor. Yeah, I'll always have brain cancer, which is what this medical device is, and we can get into that mm-hmm. in a little bit. Uh, I was diagnosed with a glioblastoma in August of 2020 and another in August of 2022. Uh, the average survival rate after your first diagnosis is 12 to 15 months. I said, not me. No. It's not taking me. And then when I got the second one, I was like, okay, I guess this is how you save lives. You just get the second tumor and you show them how it's done. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing because now you've become the expert of what to (laughs) look for in the first round. To me, it's a beautiful thing. And my husband dislikes it so much when I say that because I'm like, this is a blessing. Mm. Like, I don't have to request vacation time. I could go wherever I want sometimes, whenever (laughs) I want. You know, it's like... The freedom and opportunity to be a change maker, regardless of the circumstance, that was part of my previous career is, is working with folks to find ways to do business a little differently. Mm-hmm. The government's tough. Mm-hmm. And with this, it's passion because it's a life. You know, it was, it's always in my sense, I felt like I was trying to save a life, but this is life or death. And <clears throat> well, your life is the life and death, and then you're saving others by talking about community like you just mentioned. So so that other people, as well as myself, have a better understanding. What is, how did you pronounce it? Glioblastoma. Tell me more about it. Uh, so glioblastoma is one of the more deadlier types of brain tumors you can receive. I guess it's like a gift. And <laughs> it was given to me, or, you know, to me it's like you're not given anything that you can't take on. And so this mountain has been provided to me to keep going and take down the next one and the next one. And it's easier to be a victim than to be a hero. And so I'm working hard. The first one was August of 2020. Uh, My son had just started an online program for school because it was 2020. Mm -hmm. And we finished our day. Uh, I finished up work and we're gonna go for a swim. And I felt this feeling as though I was choking on my tongue. And my mouth pulled all the way over. My left hand kind of started to curl up as in my foot, kind of like when the house fell on the witch in the Wizard of Oz. That's what I felt like. And I hobbled out to my back door and swung the door open. And when my husband looked back, he was like, dude, are you okay? 
and I just grabbed his forearm and collapsed and went into a full seizure. Oh my gosh. Because I have what's called conscious awareness seizures based off the location of where the tumor was, it's in the emotional part of my brain, uh, I could hear what was happening, but I was not able to physically or I wasn't able to respond verbally or physically. I just was shaking. And my husband being a first responder, he's telling my son, get out of the pool, unlock the door, lock up the dog so that the paramedics could come in. Uh, paramedics came, got me off the ground, and we just started having questions. It, hindsight for me, I felt like I was talking to them the way I'm talking to you now, but who knows. I did deny uh, being transported. Uh, <laughs> well, if we're going to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. This is where it's supposed to be. You're going to help community. You're going to help me. I had a lot of parties during the summer oh. of COVID. <laughs> oh. And we just moved into our house in May. So I was like, I don't need my neighbors thinking I'm being transported due to COVID. Oh, I didn't think about that. Okay. But I mean, my daughter was leaving for vet school and we just got a home, our new home. So I don't know. And the things we think about that really aren't yeah. important, especially when you're talking about needing to have medical care. Right. I love that you have sense of humor, by the way. <laughs> There's been a few times I've laughed and I don't want anyone to think no. that I'm being insensitive. No. Because we've talked prior to this and yeah. now I, because I, we've been texting yeah. and actually talked on the phone. Yeah. So now you're bringing it here and I was like, I want everyone to know that it's okay. She's given permission. That's and what this I is use. who you are. Right. Totally right. get it. There. Uh, so when I denied uh, transport, I could see the captain. I mean, Shout out to Gilbert Firehouse number three because they had come a few times and we became like, I felt like friends because they're like, oh, was it an anxiety attack? The next time they came, I was like, no, no, I run the lottery and got a Glio. So you hear like, oh, and I'm like, not me. Mm -hmm. It's okay. So his eyes got really big and my husband's like, no, we're going. Mm -hmm. So he pretty much hogtied me and threw me into the the truck <clears throat> and we went to Gilbert Mercy and they worked it up like a stroke because there was no way to really know where to start. And that allows uh, medical things to go a little faster, faster, such as blood, MRI, et cetera. And they did a CT scan and found a mass on my brain. She came in and said, we're gonna call your husband in here because it's now considered a life altering event. Absolutely. And I was like, okay. Like I just, I didn't even feel anything at that moment. Um, I don't know if it's because it was the emotional part of my brain. Well, now I'm going to stop you. Is this where you actually started to become a little more conscious about what's going on? Because before you... Oh, yeah. Oh. As soon as they picked me up off the floor, I was back to myself. And it was bizarre to think, why should I go to the hospital when I feel fine? Sure. Uh, excuse me. And so when she came in, she said, I want to let you know that it wasn't a stroke. Uh, you do have a mass on your brain. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I have two questions. One, will it impact my personality? She said, no. And I was like, okay, will I still be funny? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, that's a different part of the brain. She's oh. like, you might have to learn to walk again. I was like, I could still be funny oh. on a walker or a cane or a wheelchair. So like, it just, from the beginning, had to find some way to, I use sarcasm and and wit and humor to cope. And so when a doctor found me in ICU blowing a stack because no one was talking to me, mm. she's like, how do you, what do you use for trauma? And I was like, sarcasm. Mm -hmm. She's like, no, no, like, how do you cope with trauma? I said, sarcasm, like, I don't understand the question. Mm -hmm. And she's like, you need to really lean in to a few other things, faith and therapy and 
it was day two of surgery. I wasn't ready for it, but mm-hmm. I understand. They're probably thinking you were in denial and they wanted you to get serious about the thought of it. Yeah, no, I'm not in denial. I'm well aware. No, no, I guess I had my own stuff. <laughs> and like you said, sarcasm yeah. and, and being funny is yeah. definitely something that helps yeah. ease the pain. Yeah. It's not that we're in denial. No. I it's just, our reality. <laughs> right. I need to figure out how I can make this a career in stand up, you know? So. You still have time, by the way. <laughs> So yeah, it was that happened and everything seemed fine. What I did the following year, we did a trip with our family and friends who kind of helped us navigate. I called them my PR team. So four of my very close friends, um, my friend Angie lived with me for four months, four days a week so that my husband can go back to work. My friend Brooke helped me manage all my finances. My friend Audra, like when I was in the hospital, people would call or text or message, what do you need? Can we help you with something? Honestly, Christine, I had more pajamas, chapstick, and gobstoppers than any, because that's all I thought about. Like, I just had brain surgery. I don't know what I need. I still have chapstick I haven't opened. This was in 2020. Thank you to those that sent the chapstick. So my girlfriend took over, and she just started hammering. So if someone asks for something, she's like, she's good there. This is what we actually need. And that was extremely helpful to have someone kind of manage your life. In the very beginning, we talked about community. Mm. Here is your community. Yeah, they were my village, and they yeah. still are. Uh, my friend uh, Jessica actually found the doctor that I saw in my most recent uh, surgery, which was last August, because I. It, it's the medical community community is interesting in that. I want to go to the best version of whatever you have, mm. however I can find it. When I was released from the hospital in 2020, I had to do some rehabilitation, which was fine, and do a follow-up appointment with, uh, I guess, an oncologist. However, when I was taken to that oncologist, it's a pretty large um, oncology department here in Arizona that we won't talk about. <laughs> the doctor came in and said, you're going to watch this video you're not going to ask me any questions until the video is over. Starts the video. My girlfriend, Audra, who's with me, who has some medical experience, said, I have a question. He goes, no, not until the video is over. Mm. I looked at her. I said, we're leaving. Oh, wow. That's it. That's not quite the etiquette No, for and, you. Well, and the thing that I had to take a step back and look at is, and God forbid, if you're here for breast cancer and he's here for prostate cancer and I'm here for brain cancer, I like to see the specialist who specializes in you know, every year, dermatologists, like, make the round around who specializes in that particular area. And I was able to find uh, Barrow and Dr. Sinai, who did my second surgery, and I was given the opportunity to do a trial drug. And that trial drug, AZ-1390, AZD-1390, is I what I believe between that, Dr. Sinai, my other doctors at Barrow, and the IV Brain Tumor Center is what's saving my life. What was this doing? What was the trial of it? Sure. Uh, you take a medication about three days prior to surgery. Uh, the morning of surgery, they provide the medication to you, and they take the tumor out. The tumor is then dissected to ensure that the medication penetrated the tumor because one of the most difficult things that they are finding with this disease in most brain tumors is the blood-brain barrier. And so... Most recently, I I found that they're now using a way to kind of have it go through. I don't know if it's the same, but the medication did penetrate the tumor. And I was then able to start the medication again and go through three weeks of radiation, two weeks of radiation. 
Wow. Now you have this medical device on your head. Yes. Please tell us more about what it is. So this is the Optune. I have it hiding nicely in a, a purse. Uh, and so it's, oh, I have headphones on too, sorry. So here, it's kind of like um, large Band-Aids. <clears throat> and so the two are about hand, hand palm size on each side, and then the other two are front and back. The right and left speak to one another, and the top and back speak to one another in a, in a sort to where they're communicating information. Uh, one of the things that it looks for is cell splitting, which is a sign of the glio or tumor. The other thing it tries to do is prevent those cells from splitting. And so ideally, it should be worn 75%. And so what the machine is able to track is data usage, so how often I have it on, not how many cells, brain, not brain cells, but cancer cells have been eradicated because the brain is so interchangeable. Yeah, interchangeable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll wear this for the rest of my life. Really? Yeah, unless some other type of medical device is worthy enough for me to switch it out. So I'm going to be cautious when I say this and not stupid. Okay? Don't be cautious. Ask anything. This is a very this is the education part. I want everyone out there because there's an etiquette to a lot of different things in life. And so here I'm going to say, because you and I had actually talked prior on some wonderful things that people have said, and we're going to talk about more sure. if you'd like. So when you're talking about this is going to be forever the rest of your life. Yeah. Does your hair grow back at any time? No. It doesn't. It's not it, growing back. It's growing now, which is, uh, and it, beautiful heat wave is helpful mm-hmm. what happens is it will start to lift off the band-aids wheel and there there's discs that are the size of nickels which are then connected by copper wiring maybe less than an inch of copper wiring to the next to the next and then there's four cords that run down and connect to the main optune machine okay and what that means is last night i have what i call change days uh and last week i kind of uh some had a, a dermatitis or a psoriasis flare up and my skin was irritated and itchy and nearly raw and so I was I have to see a dermatologist so that's that's part of this journey is not a- allowing one thing to be ignored mm. so if I ignored it, it makes it worse I'm off the optune longer so it impacts my overall health but you know, so it's just this domino effect of not just wearing the Optune and going to your MRIs, it's overall mind, body, and soul health. So with this device being on your head for the rest of your life, as mm-hmm. you mentioned, you don't have to worry about bad hair days. Well, I'm using your, your funny hair. <laughs> I, I hope that was okay. But the other part was that you won't be able to have the hair grow if you just said that's going to lift off. So. Yeah. So I have to shave it with a, a bowl. It's, it, they They... Optune or Novacure, that's who created this device, provides everything. Okay. They provide the pads. They provide the Surgilast. The only thing that they don't provide is rubbing alcohol, which is what you have to wipe your head down with before you put the pads on. So my husband and I came up with more of a – there's Jen's way of doing business and other people's <laughs> way. People that know me are well aware of that saying. So we'll take it off, shave my head down, maybe get a pool day in or to shave it down, and I wash it in the shower with um, like a tea tree soap or something more calming, and then he puts it back on so we don't have to use the rubbing alcohol that much. But camping or traveling. And we're in Arizona. Yeah. So we sweat. Yeah. A lot. Yeah, right and now, I'm very especially. active. Yeah. 
Yeah. Does that have anything to do with staying on? And Yeah. Uh, for me, I think the combination has been if I go past three days because my hair, it's weird when you have to shave your head how fast your hair grows versus when I actually had my hair and you're like, come on, grow. <laughs> we girls, we can relate to that for yeah, sure. The men, yeah. they're like, I'll just shave it off and be good. <laughs> right. My husband started shaving his head when I had to and I was like, can you stop doing that? Oh. Like God gave you an amazing amount of hair and <laughs> I'm sure you're upsetting a few gentlemen right now because you just shave it off. So we'll talk about the etiquette, but we have a guest with you. I do. Her name is Marley. Tell me more about who Marley is and what she does for you. Marley is a beautiful golden doodle. She was given to me by my dear friends, uh, Elaine and Brian, and they are close to uh, uh, Jana and Ryan, who you did interview for Paws. Paws. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so Marley is a year old. She just turned a year old in May. And she can do uh, search and rescue in that for me. That came about because before having her, after my first surgery, we went to Disneyland. And my husband had my phone, and he was with my son, and I was going to the bathroom. My understanding as a wife, you're going to wait where I left you. (laughs) Sorry to be to laugh. (laughs) So I'm like, this is where I last left you. And I'm like, Marley's shoes. Like, where are her shoes? And I go back no one's there and I'm like don't panic don't panic like there's options and I am the person where I'll just go back to the hotel like yeah sorry yeah and I'm like okay if I were them what would I do so I go back to the bathroom where where they were sitting on the planter there's a debate in our house on whose fault this was Uh it's mine because I didn't I didn't look for them and they didn't stay where they were supposed to stay my communication thing correct this is what I call Disneyland is a marriage trust exercise and it always works out because uh, I got a service dog because I can't find you by myself. <laughs> like in my internal compass gets a little off kilter sometimes. And I sat down and I was like, use someone's phone or what do you do? So I just went back and he goes, I've been looking for you. I'm like, you're sitting right here. He's like, I sent a lady into the bathroom, which I know their panic is different because I could have a seizure in the bathroom. And if no one knows, no one knows. And <clears throat> I was like, well, if I was coming out of the bathroom, it'd be in your guys' best interest, eyes up all the time, not in your phone. But We could do that for everything. Right. We clearly worked past it. It was only three years ago. I'm not mad yeah. or anything. But there, and, and here's another thing that I learned from Ryan and Jenna with PAUSE is there's a secondary PTSD. Yeah. So you had yours primary and then they're like looking for you and they're sending people into the restroom but now you have marley but marley's more than just a dog to make sure the family keeps an eye on you yeah what is her specific duty she's done a lot we are currently working on uh uh like search and rescue which is i don't want to say my son's name because she'll take out all of your equipment (laughs) if i say go find my son's name because him and I and her are together a lot because of my husband's job. She knows that he's DAD. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think one of my favorite moments was this around 4th of July. My in-laws have a cabin up in Heber, and we were part of the parade. I didn't put her whole tea on her. That was my fault. I trusted myself more than I, I – it was my fault. So she was a little panicky. And I just had to – Asher had got – oops, sorry. Mm-hmm. He had gotten ahead of us, and I was like, go find him. Go f- and she was gone. And so she, we're running down the street looking for him. And we use those opportunities also to practice on the ranch. There's horses, there's cat, you know, all of this stuff so that her nose knows to find him. 
He hid inside a horse trailer. I'm hiding in a barn, which seems uh, small in comparison. But when you're in a large group of people or a group setting, for her to be able to find someone is helpful for me. We do it at home because his smell is everywhere. So she'll check his room. She'll check where he sits. And so we have him hide in the bathtub. Just so you still have the possibility of having seizures. Oh, yeah. I just had one on Saturday. Mild. Oh, my goodness. They can be triggered, my experience now, by emotional or just overstimulation. Mm-hmm. So a lot of things happen on Saturday to where in the evening I felt it come on. And it kind of looked like a, uh, a parrot when they stick their tongue out. So it was just my mouth is switching and my tongue's going in and out. So it wasn't egregious. And I have rescue meds. So So she's part of that service dog? She's not fully trained on seizures yet because I have to swab my mouth and have her smell it. So I have a few frozen because we're still working on find mom's medication. So there's a few things. And and service dog isn't like we go to class once a week and she's good. Mm -hmm. I have so much homework that we do almost on a daily basis. So one of the things we worked on this summer is find mom's present, which is a toy out back for the pool. And so she knows to get that. And then the next thing is to transition her into something else more critically important. And so I'm slowly transitioning her into certain things. The first few months I was in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And so Janet and Ryan worked with her so closely. And when I came home, it was manners. It takes a long time to teach a dog. They don't just come home and sit and stay and lay down. It's a lot of work. Um, I have a hard time doing it for myself. I can only imagine. <laughs> I don't have a job, Christine. It's <laughs> my job. <laughs> well, that I have a great appreciation um, more so now. It's not just about someone getting us. And I say this with respect Please. because we have people that are out there that think that it's convenient to purchase. I'm going to say it purchase service Mm. vests for dogs for themselves and there are people who are needing it and then there are people that you've already mentioned on the etiquette about doing that because people have put that out there that oh I can just put a vest on a dog and then call it whatever I want right so I'm not saying that disrespectfully but I am saying it respectfully yeah there's a reason why these vests are on these particular dogs whether they're in training like you just mentioned right um or doing a task that they are specifically trained for as we had mentioned Jenna and Ryan being here these dogs have so many different things that they have to teach them and it's not an overnight thing like you said sit look for certain things know certain people's names right or what have you so I respect you Thank and you. anyone else that's needing a service dog so if this is a message for everyone for both sides please take it and respect both both parts of it and, and don't touch them it does say on there and I when you came in here because of Jana uh, and uh, Ryan I was like just because it's a cute dog doesn't mean I get to go and touch it it's like no yeah. I have to I, I have to be trained well, I didn't like the, that but I did the public honestly I've you know been at church and one of the head security guys goes up behind her and starts like rubbing on her behind I'm like oh. Mike right like she's working yeah. mm-hmm. you know and it's like what is difficult for for me is, you know, she freaks out a little bit because things are still new. We're still working on going out in public. We did the movies on Friday with two big openings of two big movies. It was busy. A lot of people. But it's good for me and it's good for her because she has to be able to experience that. And unless we do the work, she's always going to be afraid. So... I do have a final question, but before I do ask the final question, I have a couple of other, and one of them is, how 
what would you like to tell the public an etiquette part? Because you've shared some things, and, and I have had my, I have my own story. Other people have their own story. And people will say things thinking they're saying something that's kind, supportive, relatable. Me too. Mm-hmm. You say relatable, I say the me too. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's actually not the right thing to say. So how can we teach other people to communicate um, about certain things that... Uh, if, if someone asks me a question... I'm not, I'm not considered sick. I don't consider myself sick. I have a diagnosis. Okay. Uh, I would appreciate the public understanding that if you're going to ask me what I'm wearing, just ask. If you see me out, just ask. Because staring is difficult. The comments and or ag- aggressive approaches have been difficult. And some folks, when they ask and I say, oh, I, I, ha-, I will, just because there's no active tumors as of today doesn't mean... Like, I will always have brain cancer, which is why I have to wear the Optune all the time. Mm-hmm. And it then turns into a competition mm-hmm. on who knows someone. Or the word cancer, I think, is is as though we're in the same group together. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to negate anyone else's illness or diagnosis. But the chance of survival with other cancers is highly likely compared to glioblastoma. They said 12 to 15 months with my first diagnosis. And I said, no, thank you. That's not gonna be me. And I did my best to statistically not look into it, but serving now as a, uh, a spokesperson, patient advocate for the End Brain Cancer Initiative, you, you learn a lot more about what you're facing so you can speak to others about it. Uh, you know, we lost Senator John McCain, we lost, uh, the Diamondbacks manager, his wife, she passed, and it it doesn't uh, discriminate. So no. it's not just men, it's not just women, mm-hmm. it's children, adults, elderly, etc. What is the most difficult part of this journey since you are a two-time survivor? Mm. My son. Mm. He was nine when he saw me have the first seizure and how to let the paramedics in. He's seen the paramedics take me out of the house a couple times because of seizures. And he's very anticlimactic with a lot of things. Uh, and I try to speak to him about it, but I don't, I don't want to press, you know. And he, he seems okay with it based off conversations. And I speak to his school counselors but he doesn't like make he's not one for attention in that way and so he's had to in some circumstances be a caretaker if i need something or if the medication machine's going off or my battery dies they can hear it beeping and someone my husband or he will get to it and replace the battery so i think it's been difficult for him he i um Forgive me for saying this because we're moms. We've gone through stuff and we think we're tough. And we are, but no one sees the tears and the things that we sacrificed. Mm. So I'm going to ask the question again. What's the most difficult part for you? This is about you. Um, you just wanted me to cry. I know you did. I got Kleenex, but you're going to make me cry too, so we'll do it together. It's a good show. <laughs> I, I want the truth to be, hey, we talked about community, yeah, and this yeah, is the only way people are going to understand, and I understand. Uh, I think the most difficult thing for me was figuring out how to reinvent myself, because 
I was someone else. I had a career. I traveled. Um, I felt successful in what I was doing. And there wasn't an opportunity to say, you know what, I'm going to retire. I'm going to be able to find some other things to do. It was I had a seizure on a Thursday and never went back to work. Uh, there's there's misnomers, I think, because my doctor's like, well, I have a coal miner who's on Optune. I'm like, I don't, I'm not a coal miner. And for me, it was the overall comprehension, like, Reading books, again, was very difficult. My speech was extremely slurred and delayed, and you'll hear it. I'll say, how do you say? And it's not because I don't know how to say it. It's just I need to find the right words. So vocabulary is critically important to me. And I lost a lot of that. And I wasn't getting up and going to work every day or having somewhere to be I relish in that now because I've been able to identify other ways to fill my time and feel more fulfilled, but difficult for me. I mean, I apologize to my husband. I'm like, I'm sorry, like, you didn't marry me like this. And he he never gave me any indication that that would be, that it's ever been an issue. So I threw that out there because I have my own and people think that, oh, you're so strong. No, no, I'm not strong. I just have to be. Yeah. And that's why I asked the question because we don't, we wear a mask. We're not going mm-hmm. back to 2020. We wear masks to protect everyone else, but inside yeah. we're hurting too. And yeah. if people think we're smiling all the time, they think, oh, you are so insensitive. No, I just don't have to show you where I'm super sensitive at the time that I'm where I'm at. Yeah. And we don't get to talk about how we feel because you already just said, you apologized to your husband. Mm-hmm. You didn't know this was going to happen. Right. Nobody knows what's going to happen to their lives. Right. And it does change you. Right. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to make sure I was still like a contributing member of our family mm-hmm. in some way. Uh, but I just picked up new hobbies and started doing things I had never done before. Comedy. <laughs> that had always been that since birth <laughs> you warned me and I'm so happy <laughs> so I think for for me seeing myself grow into the new person that I am has has made me feel better but I still uh reminisce about again personality is the same but you know, all my close friends, you know, they're they're at work during it. You know, they have real things going on. Not that mine isn't real, but I can't call them at 9 in the morning and be like, what's going on? Well, you could, but they might not answer the phone. They're at work, right. <laughs> and so I think what people don't understand is being outside the home or having something different to kind of start your day with mm-hmm. is, is nice. So having your work friends or traffic or things like that take advantage because you never know and I was like well Thursday I'll probably be back to work on Monday or Tuesday and never went back and so I've I've found my own way to contribute Mm -hmm. and you're doing well thank you now I have another final question so if you answer it with comedy I'm good with that too (laughs) Marley Marley's doing a great job, by the She's way. really hanging out. I really had some questions for her, but I don't want to bother her. <laughs> <laughs> I'll ask, just email me. I'll ask her later. Okay, cool. We'll put him in the show notes. <laughs> um, if there was only 
one question I could ask about someone or of someone to get an idea who they are. Good luck with that one, right? right? This is how I summed it up. What message would you like to leave everyone based on your journey of your life? Mm. Don't, don't stop. Like, do not take no for an answer. My husband had a seizure while at work last week and being on the other side of the bed and watching what he went through reminded me of what I went through. And you can't make that about you. I had to be there and be there for him. But it, the word trauma I suffer with because there's that word is thrown around a lot for no reason. But that's trauma, watching him in a neurologist's office get a head to toe. So I walk away with, you are not a victim. You're the hero in your own story. Make your story memorable. And do not let anyone tell you no. The doctor told her to tell me no, we're not going to do a CT. I said, I'm not leaving here. Like, we will wait until you do the CT because I'm not going to wait weeks or months to get him in to see someone and live with that based off my experience. So don't take no for an answer. Don't be a victim of your circumstances. And fight for every moment of this life. It's worth it. It might not seem like it when you're on the 10 right now, but it is worth it. I agree with you a thousand percent. Thanks. Thank you. It's a great answer. Thank you. And thank you for being vulnerable. Of course. Educating us. Talking about etiquette. (laughs) (laughs) And for Marley being here as your support. She's a good girl. She is. Thank you again for being my guest. This inspiring story was brought to you by MMG, your global creative agency based right here in downtown Chandler. 